What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam, lost his microphone, Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. To Atlanta natives, recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going wonderful. We had a much, much-needed uh, week off. Yes. little vacation. little vacation. A retool. We did a full renovation of the Atlanta Zone podcast studio. Made it much more comfortable. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's just two guys sitting in their living room now talking about sports. We used to sit at the desk. That was a little too formal. Yeah. Same desk I work at throughout the day and then just move the papers aside and start podcasting. That doesn't work. Yeah. Same thing. It's not the Same thing with my studio. Yeah. You know, it's like where I work. Yeah. You work on your couch. Work on my couch, then uh, podcast on the couch with the same computer I work on. It's just, you know, you got to shake it up. You can't always shit where you eat. So now we've got this nice. Nice little gentleman's easy chairs. Yeah. One of these is from uh, 1983. Wow. My father br- bought it when he was a... Almost 40 years old. A fresh lawyer. A fresh lawyer. What is a fresh lawyer? Fresh out of law school. Uh, fresh out of law school. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A uh, young lawyer. Sat in his office for like 30 plus years. Mm. Now it's in the the podcast studio. I got this little rocking chair here. It's a... Uh that oh, I, think, I hear it squeaking as I turn. That, I think, is Veronica's grandparents, probably oh, okay. also from the mid-70s to... This has a mid-70s vibe. Early it's 80s. It's got a leopard skin blanket on it. Um, interesting. Yeah, so we're mixing it up this week. We're going back to our roots. Poor sound quality. Yeah, Adam can't find his microphone. Zero research. Zero research. Graham's going to get mad. I'm, I'm having a drink. I made a margarita. It took me about 20 minutes to do downstairs. Um, we're ready to go. Let's see where this goes, Graham. I think we got we, we needed a kick in the ass. Yeah. Um, for sure. So I thought we needed more time put into it, more research, but I think it's the opposite. Yeah. We're trying to do too much. Trying to do too much. Let's do less. Put a lot of pressure on ourselves. It's a big, it's a big show. This is serious, this man. Is, this is... We are now... Five years into this, if you are listening, if you've been listening since the beginning, you've been listening to us for five years. I've been doing this since uh, 2017, right after the the, the Super Bowl collapse. Maybe you can blame all the Falcons bullshit on us, but you can't blame us for Braves or Georgia. Georgia. There's a lot of, of, you know, there's a lot of people that like Georgia. It is the year of teams that aren't used to winning, winning. Yes. Got Georgia. Like you said, yeah. got the Braves, freaking Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Are in the Super Bowl? That's the, wild. The, the, the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA Finals for the first time since 1969 or something. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Who, who won it in hockey? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, even if the Rams win the Super Bowl, like when was the last time the Rams won it in like the like, 80s? No, it was like 90. Not, they won it. Oh, they won the 2001 against the Titans, something like that. Yeah, Kurt Warner era. Yeah. No, they won. Yeah, they won it at the uh, Georgia Dome. But but the L.A. Rams have not won no. since, like, the 80s. Right. So it's uh, exciting times. I, th- I think Bengals-Rams is a little more entertaining of a draw than if it were, like, Chiefs-Bucks. You say that. The NFL doesn't say that. Oh, yeah, no. Right. And who knows? Maybe it'll be a boring-ass game. It, it, it very well may be. Well, Adam, let's jump straight into Atlanta sports stuff, I guess after that meandering introduction there. But um, there's been a lot that's gone on since uh, we left the air for a week. The Hawks went on a seven-game winning streak, looked like the, the team of old to a degree. Um, the NFC South was completely shaken up. Once we decided not to have a podcast, Sean Payton retires, Tom Brady retires. Um, so that's going on. Baseball's still in a lockout, of course. And uh, it seems like we are really in jeopardy of spring training being delayed and the season being delayed. It's not just talk anymore. Now it's like, yeah, these they're nowhere close. The Players Association and the owners and, and Manfred. Yeah, I don't think it's been. Well, that's the problem. They're not talking. Right. They're not talking anymore. They did have some meetings in New York, I think, a week ago, and it just didn't like some people were saying, well, they're making some progress a little bit, a little bit of progress. But it's not, you know. They seem to be still very far apart on the revenue sharing, which is the main crux of this of this lockout. And um, there's no indication that it's going to be solved in time for spring training or the season. I think I can definitively, not definitively, 90% say I know who's going to be our designated hitter. 
because we will have a designated hitter this year, and he will be batting either third or fourth, depending on how some other things play out. Who is it? Marcelo Zuna. Oh, yeah? He's coming back 100%. I still wonder about the whole domestic violence thing, not whether or not it happened, right? Something clearly has happened because, like, there has been documented cases of Marcelo Zuna and his wife getting into it before. So there is something... Uh, you know, there's something there, right? Something that's toxic, something that's no good in terms of their, their relationship and how it leads to these altercations that they have. But I wonder if the Braves are willing to take that PR hit um, and bringing him back and also what it will do to the locker room as well. I don't know if the players have wrote off Ozuna or not. They've been very tight-lipped about how they feel about Marcel since this, uh, since this incident occurred. Well, the only reason I speak with confidence is because Snit talked about it with Dave O'Brien on The Athletic oh. in an article today and said as much, look, he went through the system. Mm-hmm. I see he's – I've been watching the box scores in the Dominican. He's raking down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at some of the other players in the league that people kind of just forget about, things that they've done. No, that's so, true. He's not the first. So that, I mean, Snit said all that. Yeah. So, like, he is – the locker room, yeah. you know? I believe Aroldis Chapman had domestic violence issue. Adubal Herrera on the Phillies had domestic violence issue. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he very well could be back. And if Snicker's saying that, 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 that gives a lot of credence to that that might be a reality. How does that make you feel, though, as, as a fan? Um, putting you on the spot here, Adam. How does it make me feel as a fan? Yeah. I'm pretty good at just brushing over things. Sure. <laughs> Inconvenient truth. Mass <laughs> genocide. If he breaks, bring him back. He's batting fourth. I've been watching those Dominican box scores myself, Graham. Um, you know, maybe you, you maybe you don't cheer as hard for all the things, but um, he was cleared by the system, so what are you going to do? Uh, I mean, you, you're no, going to eat three years of money. You have a lot of outfielders slash DH that you need right now. You right. don't have your star first, first baseman signed. Right. You do have this guy. Yeah. I'd still just from, and I don't know. We don't know the whole story. I mean, I think people acting holier than thou during this. I mean, I'll admit on this era, I, I said he's dead to me and all this stuff. I was just really caught up in it because I, I hate, you know, any any violence uh, towards women in any respect. So you know, you hear that, and at that time, I think when I said that, the police had reported that he was beating her with his cast and all that stuff. Who knows what the real story is? Um, there is some perspective probably to be gathered here, but we will never get the full story. Um, I'm still kind of in favor of really asking the locker room what they think. I really don't want this to be because we'll never know what happened, right? Whatever. I mean, it's not a whatever situation, but we as fans will never know the, the the real, actual, true story of everything that's going on in that relationship and what happened on May 29th. But I really think it could be a concern for the locker room, and that has to be considered. We do not want this to be a cancerous situation, even though Marcel, before this happened, was a huge boost to the locker room during the 2020 season. I just wouldn't want that to to mess up a, a locker room that worked beautifully and was, I think, a huge component of the World Series championship team. Well, I think Snitch's the judge of that. If he doesn't think it's going to mess up the locker right, room, then, then... Yeah, but I think the players should also... I mean, I think leaders like Ozzy, Acuna in particular, should be consulted about how they feel about that because they, they speak a lot for the team. And Snit can't talk to the players right now. Right, and which that's is a fair. And, and Snicker also said, you know, I haven't really talked to Anthopolis this offseason. I mean, it's, it's been an, a very odd offseason for yeah. baseball. Yeah. Obviously. But I still think we're trending in that direction, so just kind of wrap your head around that being a thing that happens. Right. It's, a, it's, it's definitely a, a bigger possibility. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's really much else going on with the Braves, Adam. I don't know if we want to revisit our L.A. Times segment that we uh, attempted to do last time. and did We did it once. Didn't work out last time. He's got the wrong paper. But maybe we can come back to that when uh, you've had a chance to find the paper. Or maybe we won't. I, I know, know where the papers are. Oh, you know the papers Do we want to go through the whole process of me trying to find it live on air? Uh, we, we could. Probably should have probably should be a heads up on that, that one. Well, yeah. I, I assumed you'd have it ready. since. Uh, well, let's see what the magic of editing can do. Yeah, Graham, I had the paper here the whole time. Yeah. Ready for this Just one. prepared as always. So, well, I'd say this. For those that may not have heard it or may not remember because it's been a minute, we, uh, we have copies of the L.A. Times during the NLCS where, if you remember, Bill Plaschke, Dylan Hernandez, and all those guys over there were writing these 
just really ridiculous articles ridiculing the Braves, talking about how the Dodgers are entitled to win the World Series because they're the Dodgers and they spent three, you know, two hundred sixty million dollars in the offseason or whatever they did. Um, so we figured it'd be funny to look at from a game to game perspective what the LA Times is saying about this series. Uh, and the first edition of this, we looked at a Bill Plaschke article after Game One. Now we're in Game Two, looking at esteemed columnist. Dylan Hernandez, and I will remind everybody of that. He did a preview of the series before it started, and when he was listing offensive threats for the Braves, he did not mention one Austin Riley. Yeah, so I thought we were going to go Plashkey again because he's low-hanging fruit, but his description of this game was surprisingly just like the Dodgers are screwing themselves. Yes, and they did with Julio Urias coming in that game. But not enough like shitting on Braves fans and things like that, so... Dylan Hernandez seems to come through. So this article, Graham, is Monday, October 18th, 2021. The magical time. Yes, yes, yes. Seems like eons ago. This article is titled, Mound Moves Must Get Better for L.A. By Dylan Hernandez. Incredibly, the Dodgers front office has made an even worse decision this year. Remember, these are the same people who signed Trevor Bauer. They will continue living with that decision for a while. As for their latest vanity-induced act of self-sabotage, this ambitious effort to redefine pitchers' roles by experimenting with Max Scherzer as a closer and 20-game winner Julio Urias as something other than a starter, there's a way back. Huh? (laughs) I don't understand. There's a way back. Where did that come from? As for their latest vanity-induced act of self-sabotage, there's a way back. I guess that, well, that's what they're saying. That was just like a long... They're saying in light of that, there's a way back. Yeah, all in that. In light of using uh, uh, Scherzer, Scherzer and Urias and, okay. and, and, and roles that they're not used to. So he just stuffed all of that in between the actual sentence. Okay, so okay. that confused already as a reader. Yeah, so journalism... It's hard. You don't want to be clear, concise. Apparently, you want to drag things out. You want to drag. Well, these are like opinion pieces. This isn't just reporting the facts and yeah. what happened in the game. These are opinion pieces. You got to be it's self-indulgent, up their ass, any other synonymous term you can think of. You got to add fluff in, huh? Yeah, it's indulgent. It's self-indulgence. But after saying all that, he says the Dodgers still can win this National League Championship Series. Down two zero in this program. Even after spotting the Atlanta Braves the first two games, they still can reach the World Series. He just repeated himself. But fluff crap. That's fluff. Unbelievable. Regurgitation. Okay. Except now after a stunning 5-4 walk-off loss at Truist Park in Game 2, the Dodgers will have to make the kind of furious comeback they made against the Braves at this stage of the season last year. Living in the past. Living in the past. Ooh. Guess what he throws in after that? Uh, Talks about... Dave Roberts, I don't know. He says it's entirely possible. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I don't think anybody, whether on either side, was thinking, player or fan, that you know that the series is over after be, after the Braves took a 2 at lead. Here we go, Graham. I thought I was going to skip a paragraph, but I'm not. The Dodgers did everything imaginable to lose Sunday night, but were somehow in position to win, which speaks to the disparity between them and their opponents. Ooh. That's that's some entitlement <laughs> bullshit right there. They won 18 more regular season games than the Braves. Oh, for a reason. Uh, for a reason. Because they spent hundreds of millions of dollars. We had a better. We had, I think, as good of a record, if not a better record, than them since like August 15th. Let's, Someone fact check me on let, that. Let's let Dylan Hernandez explain to you why Graham. They have more that's, pitching depth. That's such a terrible take. They have more pitching depth. They have a more dangerous lineup, and they'll come home for the next three games. And they will have Walker Bueller pitching in Game 3. Does he mention anywhere that the Braves hadn't won a game at Dodger Stadium in forever? Like we were like 0-10 or whatever in our last 10 games there? So he just, he's just going off opinion. He's not the state. If he said that, you know, I'd be like, okay, I understand that. But he didn't, he didn't mention that at all, did he? No, he did no, not. No. So he goes on for a while about the whole Scherzer thing, bringing him out of the bullpen. and What do you say about Urias? So Urias blew this game, right? Yeah. Well, that was the thing. They were up 4-2. And they had this guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, he was throwing like 103. He was killing us. I remember being at that game being like, shit, we, we're screwed. But then when Urias comes in, I was like, he's not used to doing this this year. We have a chance. And that's when Austin Rowley got that big hit. Ozzy got on base. Austin Rowley drives men. Then Rosario. We all know how it turned out. 
But um, yeah, he was not used to doing that this year. He 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 was the guy who came in in Game Seven of the NLCS in twenty twenty and pitched three straight innings to close it out. But he was used to doing that. He was a starter full time last season, so this this he was not used to doing it that season. So it was a really dumbass move to me, particularly considering the Dodgers bullpen was so good last year. Hernandez goes on to shit on my boy Graham. You had a lot of boys on the Braves, Adam. Which which one did he shit on? All right, so he says Braves starter Ian Anderson lasted only three innings. Manager Brian Snicker was bound to run out of quality arms or overexpose his most dependable ones, which is what happened. With two outs and two on in the seventh inning and the score tied 2-2, Snitker inserted right-hander Luke Jackson and center fielder Guillermo Heredia as part of a double switch. That was one of the few moves I did not agree with. Not not Jackson, but Heredia. Because Heredia misplayed a ball in the center field almost immediately. Yeah. And then Jackson plunked pinch hitter Justin Turner to load the bases. Yeah. Then gave up a flare to Chris Taylor that bounced over the glove of Heredia. Two runs scored and the Dodgers were up 4-2. Yeah. I remember hanging my head for about two minutes after that. I was devastated. Yeah. At that game, that was rough. But the ghosts of San Francisco, so he's referencing... Closing Scherzer, bringing in Urias yep. in a weird spot. <clears throat> Messed up the next phase of the Dodgers' master plan. This one calling for Urias to make his second relief appearance in four days. Urias gave up the lead in the eighth inning, setting the stage for Gratterall and Jansen to combine to concede. Gratterall. That's the guy. <clears throat> yep. Concede the winning run in the ninth. The Dodgers will have considerable advantages in the coming games, Graham. Bueller is a better pitcher than Charlie Morton, who will start for the Braves on Tuesday. Urias is still scheduled to start Wednesday and should have an edge over whomever the Braves send to the mound. The edge and talent will remain with the Dodgers. They just have to stop making decisions that neutralize it. I mean, I will say this. He's kind of spot on. I mean, if you think about it, if he was stuck with Gratterall and didn't go, I mean, I think Travis Darnot got a miracle single off Gratterall, if I don't, if I recall correctly. It was like broken bat flare. And then immediately Roberts pulls Gratterall, who had been killing us for like an inning and two-thirds or something. And then Urias comes in and just blows the game. Yeah. Blows the game. That was the biggest, arguably the biggest decision of that series, and it swung everything into the Braves' fair. The Braves were already up one nothing, but that decision, if he doesn't do that, the Dodgers probably win that game, and who knows how it plays out. It probably goes seven games. We probably have a game seven with Charlie Morton starting. Yeah, Gratterall was just like... It's unhittable. Uh, yeah. Throughout that entire series. It wasn't just that game. I mean, I remember watching it and looking up. You know, we were at the game. We were sitting in left center. And I would just constantly just look at the radar guns. I was like, God damn, he must be throwing 98. And it was like 103. I was like, holy shit, this guy is unhittable. I mean, this is a classic example of a manager overthinking a scenario. And that's exactly what Roberts did in, in that game. 100%. He lost that game for the Dodgers. So Anderson sucked that whole, that whole night. He yeah. did not pitch well. Battled through three innings. He battled, but he didn't pitch well. Yeah. And it was, it was the Dodgers game to lose, and, and they, they lost thanks to their manager. Except for maybe the Luke Jackson Heredia switch. Snit was just on point, Graham. Overall, in the entire playoffs, he was on point. That yeah. was the only decision where I was like, I don't know what you're doing here. But he didn't do anything like that for the rest of the series. And there was another thing I was thinking about. I was watching Braves highlights, which I hadn't done in about a week of the playoffs, and just thinking about. I always bitched my entire life, seemingly. It's like, why can't we have some guy come out of nowhere and just have an October to remember? Remember, like, Marco Scudero, the Giants, and, like, I think it was the 2014 World Series, hit, like, 450 and drove in, like, 25 runs or something in the playoffs. Something insane. We got that with Eddie Rosario. He was the guy that came out of nowhere. We also got, like, Jorge Soler and everything, too. But Rosario won that NLCS. He's just so fucking clutch. Yeah. 14 hits. Ties a record. And it only went six games. I mean, it was it was it was a miracle thing that I've been waiting for my whole life, and it, I just, especially just having some distance from it, having you know, what, we're four almost four months removed from the World Series at this point. I just appreciate it so much more. I appreciated it when it was happening, but I really appreciate it now. I appreciate it so much. Well, it's so weird that so many of these like World Series heroes are probably not going to be back. No, I, I mean, especially like what you're just talking about with Ozuna. Ozuna's back probably don't have the impetus to go get, especially Solaire. Well, you got Ozuno coming back. You got Acuna coming back, obviously. Right. You have uh, one outfield spot, presumably open, I think. Yeah. And 
Pache has obviously lost a lot of stock, uh, but you got Michael Harris. Michael Harris is really like knocking on the door, yeah. like possibly this year. Yeah, so that's a possibility. Um, but I mean, I don't. Yeah, we might not see. I mean, Duvall. I we got Duvall coming back. We know that much. So, so Duvall would probably. So be there's not the really a spot, spot open. I mean, unless you want to platoon him again, right? I mean, I'd be okay with. Well, you could. Well, if Azuna, if Azuna is uh, DH, I mean, you could potentially try your hand at Solaire still sticking in the outfield, but. I would still like to bring Solaire back. I mean, I, I think he's on the right track. I think Rosario's thing was a flash in the pan. He's always been a decent player, but he's never going to do anything like that again. Solaire, the analytics bore out once, you know, even before he came over, that he was starting to take a lot more pitches, work the count, and just crush the baseball on a consistent level. I would love to bring him back. I, th- I think I think he would be a force to be reckoned with yeah, next so, season. Solaire and Wright. But you don't want Acuna playing center. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, I Duvall mean, plays center. Duvall. So, Solaire and right, Acuna and left. Or, or vice versa. Or, yeah, switch yeah. it up. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'd want Acuna and right, and then Duvall and Heredia in center. Right. Heredia's coming back. Right. I'd roll with that. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. I still think Solaire is, is critical. I think Solaire and Freeman are the two biggest free agents I want back. Obviously, Freddie, but I mean, Solaire, he proved a lot to me when he came over. It was just working the count, man. When every other, all the other Braves were so aggressive, seemingly, but he would, it's like every count went to three and two, almost. I mean, he, he did such a great job getting on base for us. So, you came over today with exciting news. Oh, yeah. It wasn't and, even really news. Well, you but, said that yeah. we had a lot to talk about, and like my head went to, holy shit, did the lockout end? And the Braves signed Freddie Freeman immediately? Mm-hmm. Or did the Falcons make some massive trade to move up to like number one in the draft or something like that? So, Graham, I want to know what happened. Well, uh, so female ATL Hawk, Miss D, who's one of the more famous uh, Hawks Twitter users, we've interacted with her in the past. Um, and she was posting something about how John Collins got a lot of just total shit from people for the Raptors game where Trey was out. John didn't step up. John didn't have a good game. Um, and so a lot of people really got in John Collins's case. Like he was, you know, a pariah like he, and, uh, and, and just, you know, but it was almost like the Matt Ryan effect where it was like, he just got totally accosted. Not to say you can't put some blame on him, but it was just so over the top and ridiculous. So, you know, I saw that and I I responded to her today on the ATL Zone Sports uh, Twitter and said, you know, I actually got the tweet pulled up here. So I'm just going to pull it up. Um, Mike Bell actually responded to her first from 99 The Game and said, when Trey is out like the Raptors game, it's not hating to expect him to step up. And I said, and normally he does. John averages 20 and 8 without Trey. One bad game and people act like he's Judas. Or something, which is where'd you get those stats from so quick, Graham? I uh, looked it up on the internet, and I and I'd seen that a few days ago. It was like twenty-one and nine or something. That's what I remember. But it was actually twenty and eight. It's still very respectable. Okay, right. And I said one, you know, one bad game, and people act like he's Judas. And Mike Bell says, "Well, I think you're overreacting a bit." Judas question mark. He's the second biggest star on the team. Play like it when the number one is out, unless you really can't create your shot without Trey. And so then I'm driving over to uh, the house tonight. And he and Mike Bell and, and, and Carl Dukes are talking about uh, John. And it's like, you know, there's a fan out there that just referred to him as like Judas. I was like, Judas, that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, I think the guys reacted a little bit. So we got he didn't, of course, didn't mention us on the on the radio, unfortunately, which, I, which is unfair. Um, but it was just completely kind of, took you out of context. Yeah. And I was like, you could have mentioned that. And then he also says, like, I know he does, you know, he's averaging 20 and 8 or whatever. He didn't mention that it was without Trey, so whatever. Yeah, he took me out of context. At least he didn't mention the podcast, so he's taking me a little out of context. But, um, yeah, I mean. you were standing up for John. I was standing up for John. And he was saying that you were the one saying. It was. It, it yeah. is ridiculous to compare him to, to Judas uh, Iscariot, obviously. But I was just kind of being silly because I don't think Mike Bell has really dug into John as much as other people. He's just saying, I want him to step up when Trey is out. And I was just trying to point out, he normally does. 20 and 8 is nothing to sneeze at without Trey Young, who's the arch- you know, he's he's the engine that drives this Atlanta Hawks offense. So I think it was um kind of bullshit. A little bit of uh, you know, not to acknowledge that. And I don't and yes, we should expect. And I and I, I said this on Twitter too. It's like, yes, we should expect John to step up. 
and we want him to step up. But I'm not going to, you know, throw him. I'm not going to defenestrate him after one subpar game without Trey Young and say that. I don't know. Just people have just so overreactionary, and I overreacted too. But I was just trying to make a point about people overreacting. It's like it's ridiculous. John plays well without Trey most of the time. You can't get too upset about one game, even though I know every game's kind of becoming more critical with this playoff race tightening, and the Hawks are still under 500, even though they went on a seven-game winning streak. It's just kind of ridiculous to me that we're going to come after John Collins like this because he has one bad game when Trey's out, when he has consistently proven that he plays well without Trey in like 21 or no, 17 games. He's averaged 20 and eight. The stats bear out that he plays well without Trey. One game does not. You know, nullify that. It was very bad, though, Graham. Three of eleven shooting. No, he was terrible. If he has four a good, from three. If he has a good game, we we win that game. But it's it's one bad performance. He's been doing so well during the six streak. points. No, I mean I, I get the sentiment. Yeah, but like, do you ever see Trey Young have a six point game? No, Trey. Well, Trey and John are on two totally different levels. I mean, Trey averages damn near thirty points a game and nine assists. He's like second in the league in scoring. Top three in assists. I mean, he he's a superstar. John is a very nice player. He's a arguably a great player, but Trey is on another level. Trey is a top, you know, offensively, he's probably a top ten player in the league. They're on two totally different. Levels. I don't think you can compare them like that. You know, I get what you're saying, right? I mean, I, I understand people being upset about that. Um, John's got to be that guy. He does, and you know, John's not great at creating his own shot. And I and um, I think he's improved a lot of aspects of his game, particularly three point shooting this year. Um, but yeah, he, he has to get he has to be a better shot creator for sure, especially when Trey Young's on the floor. But he, he's played well without Trey, so I mean, I'm, I think this is a non story and kind of ridiculous. But onto the positives, not to skip over the seven game winning streak that yeah. happened, Graham. This team is meshing. This is the they team of old, and it's all because Cam Reddish. You got one pariah, one Judas, if you will, <laughs> in the locker room at yeah. Cam Reddish that now is wanted. He wanted to go somewhere else. Right. He wanted to be a superstar. Goes to New York. Apparently, was not a team player. Yeah. It was obviously affecting our locker room. He's gone. He's not playing, and we are back to what we were in the playoffs last year. Yeah. DeAndre Hunter has been great. Kevin Herter has been great. Kevin always steps up, it seems like, when John is out. He had 26 points the other night against Toronto. He he was lights out from three. It was like five of five or something at one point. He was doing so well. I mean, the big the biggest difference, though, is you got your Gallinari's. You got Bogey. Lou Williams has been playing great again yeah. as well. Okongwu has been playing well. And Okongwu has yeah. been a beast, absolute yeah, he's been, beast. He's been a maniac. You, you see him on, on the court every fourth quarter now for a reason. Well, he's just so, like, efficient. He doesn't get a lot of minutes. I mean— you know, I was thinking about the Charlotte game the other night. He only played 16 minutes, but he got five points and seven rebounds and two blocks. I mean, that's that is hyper efficient. I mean, this guy is making the most out of his out of his minutes. And I mean, uh, our great leader Nate McMillan has said that you know Capella is still the starter, but Capella is certainly playing decently. But I don't think, I mean, I think Okongwu deserves uh, a shot at the starting lineup at some point. I don't know if that's crazy, but I just think we were a better team with him on the floor, especially defensively. I mean, the the guy's shooting 73% from the field. Yeah. Like you said, he's just so efficient. But at the same time, like him on that like that second unit being better. Yeah, he is, really bolsters is, the second unit for it's sure. It's been just crucial, oh, especially yeah. with Bogey coming out of that second unit. Like, Yeah, he's looked really good. He, he looks like his knee is, is feeling a lot better. I've seen multiple games where – like. We're used to like Trey sitting for like five minutes and then having to rush back in, where the second unit's just gelling and getting us back into games. Mm-hmm. And like that's kind of what we predicted from the beginning of the year when we just looked at this roster and the depth where our second unit can go up against some teams' first units. Yeah. So like they can dominate. And with Okongu anchoring it down, like, yeah, I'd, it works. If, if he's gelling at the end of the game, keep him in. I don't really, I see starting as you see like, all-star games okay. and like MVPs. Sure. It's like, who cares? Right. It's like, I just want him to get more minutes. Where are you going to affect the game but, most? But, but 15 minutes, I don't think is enough. He, he contributes so much. I want to see more of him. He's still, he's played 18 games all year, you know, like he's still conditioning. I think he's getting his conditioning back. And sure. after and COVID got him really hard as right. well. So. Right. Yeah, that's a good. That's a fair point. 
I think another thing to mention that's really keyed this winning streak when it was happening, or just the better style of play, is Trey Young's defense. Trey Young has been playing much better defense, and he was a turnstile for he's pretty much been like that his entire career. I mean, there was a game uh, against Sacramento, he got four steals. Um, you know, you never see that from Trey Young, and he's just been playing better off screens. He's sticking with his man. It seemed like, you know, the way to attack the, the, the Hawks offense was to, or excuse me, the Hawks defense was to attack Trey Young, take him out of plays, break down the defense from the backcourt, and then everything else kind of collapses. Trey Young is really making more of an effort to, to clamp down defensively, and I think that's been a, also a huge key in this turnaround for this basketball team. I mean, we've been saying it all year. It's effort. Yeah. It's like I mean, McMillan talked about how it's conditioning wasn't fully there at the beginning of the right. year. COVID injuries, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, if Trey can just give us something and he defensively. Is. And yeah, he is. exactly. And it's kind of sparked, Makes such a big difference. It sparked the whole team. And having DeAndre Hunter out there on the perimeter He's been as great. well. He's yeah. been great. I mean, I just remember watching him in the Toronto game on Monday, and I was like, I mean, the shots he was taking, I mean, he would be, like, totally guarded mid-range, and he'd just think for a second, he'd get the ball, and then he'd just pop this fadeaway jumper and just and just swish it. And it was just like, this is a guy playing with a ton of confidence. This is the DeAndre Hunter we know and love. If he can just stay healthy, he's such a force defensively especially, but he's also a very solid offensive player. It's, it's great seeing him out there playing his game again. And, uh, you know, another thing, talking about the second unit, second unit keyed that comeback victory against Los Angeles Lakers on Sunday. Um, it was like Trey in the second unit. They kind of just ran ran point. We were down 10 or 11 points. Come back and beat L.A. They didn't have LeBron, but they did have AD. And uh, that was a nice victory as well. And we're finally winning games at home, taking care of business. you got to feel positive about where the Hawks are heading right now in terms of just effort defensively. The offense is still flowing, but it's flowing in a more cohesive way. Guys are stepping up all over the place. And uh, it's just it's been a pleasure to watch. Exciting Hawks basketball again. It feels like the every you're right. Ever since the, the the Cam Reddish trade, we dropped two games and then just went on a tear. Also beaten the Miami Heat, which was which was big. One of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, who had crushed us, who had swept us, and and uh, I think the week before we beat Miami, I think last week or something like that. But they had beaten us two times this year in convincing fashion. We come out there and beat them during the, the midst of the seven-game run. The Hawks are just playing a much better brand of basketball right now, offensively and defensively. I, I love what I'm seeing overall from this team. They're passing the eyeball test for me once again because, like, yeah. it, it was to the point, like, they just weren't fun to watch. No, and, like, I couldn't like, I couldn't pinpoint what it was. But in, so it's last time we podcast, I think, mm-hmm. was right after the Bucks win. Yeah. Which was, like, that's after. That's when it started. That's when it started. Yeah. And I remember, like, it was January 19th, the last time we podcasted, and, like, I went home and watched the game against the Wolves. I was like, Holy shit, they're fun again. Yeah. Like you could just, like something clicked. Yeah. No, it's just it's and like we saw that in that Bucks game. More, you know, better defense, the effort was there, but also just getting more people involved offensively. It wasn't just Trey isolating. It was Trey getting everybody involved. And yet Trey is still dropping 36 and 12, 29 and 10. Um, you know, he's just been unreal. And and he was named, you know, how we talked about we don't I don't care really about all-star this, all-star that. Players do though. Players do. Trey Young is starting on the All-Star game for whatever that's worth. And um, he deserves it. He deserves it. Um, he, he's we, we are so lucky, and we, des- <laughs> we deserve to have a fucking superstar in this town as a basketball player. And this man is a superstar when everyone, everyone doubted him. And he, he is one of the best offensive players in this league. 100%. Praise the schlank. Yeah. He's averaging almost 30 points a game. Well, also getting nine nine assists. I mean that that is outstanding. How good is because Schlank drafted John Collins as well, right? I think Boldenholzer. No, Boldenholzer drafted John Collins. Fact check: I was right. Graham was wrong. So Schlank's got Trey, yeah, Okongwu. Hunter, and Okongwu, and Herder, and Herder. Yeah, that's strong. Yeah, that's strong, and that's, that's a core. Strong. And they're very strong. Pretty much all. I mean, well, Hunter. We'll see what contract happens after this year, mm-hmm. but. Um, if that man stays healthy, he's a oh, yeah. huge piece. That, that's 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 the biggest thing with him is that we see him get on these stretches where he plays really well, and then he kind of um, just sort of falls apart, uh, unfortunately, due to, due to health. It's not really his fault. It's just like he just gets injured. And, um, you know, I it's just, yeah, the effort defensively is so much better. I mean, like in the fourth quarter in the Lakers game, we outscored them 38-20, to 20, 
and held the Lakers to 32% shooting. I mean, that, that is a sign of a team that's giving a shit about defense, which we haven't seen all season. It's just great. I'm so much, I feel so much better about the Hawks. It's amazing what a little winning streak will do. We're still under 500. We're still not really in the playoff picture yet, but you can tell we're coming. We're coming and we're playing a lot better. Well, I think, I think this, we I think we are in the playoff picture. Kramer. Are we in the playoff picture? Yeah. Well, that's great. Shows what I know. Yeah, we jumped into the, like, that. that weird... Yeah, we're in the 10th. Yeah. yeah. So we'd be in the play-in game right now. I still associate it with the top eight seeds. Yep. Adam, let's touch on... Well, actually, before we touch on the Falcons, we got to have a nice word from our friends from DraftKings, courtesy of the Pigskin Podcast Network. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Guys, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York. It's not Saturday night. It's live on DraftKings in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. The Sportsbook is not in your state yet. You can still play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. And I will say this. DraftKings has more than the NFL. If you're into college basketball, League of Legends, NHL, whatever floats your boat, whatever sports in season right now, DraftKings has it for daily fantasy contests. So here's what you need to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, Adam. Um... Let me wipe these tears from my eyes. We're going to wrap this thing up with a little Falcons talk? Yeah, a little Falcons talk. Um, What on earth could we have to discuss with the Atlanta Falcons, Greg? Well, Adam, like we mentioned on the top of the show, Tom Brady's retired. Wow. It's it's official. Came out over the weekend that he was going to retire. He didn't confirm it. Then a couple days later, he did. How do we know he's not going to come back and play for the Patriots? That's fine. Just get him out of the NFC South. I don't really really care. Um, I still wish I could have seen him play in person, but that's my fault for not doing that over the last two years. Um, I was hoping for next year. But anyway, uh, so yeah, Tom Brady's out. The Bucks cap situation is probably going to prohibit all of their people from coming back, so the Bucks are going to take a hit. They have a huge question at quarterback, huge questions in, in terms of who they're bringing back, who they're not. We know the Panthers suck. Sean Payton also retired while, while we weren't um, doing the podcast last week. So... Not saying the NFC South is wide open, but I think it takes a considerable. I think the Bucks and Saints obviously took a considerable hit, and the Panthers are not really a threat. So, a lot of people are saying that the Falcons are the favorites in the NFC South. I, I think we got a slower roll, Charlie. There, we still got a big off season ahead of us. Got a lot of questions that we're going to need to answer in terms of what we're doing with Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, Jake Matthews, Matt Ryan. Um, how are we drafting? Who are we drafting? There's too many questions to figure out who is the uh, favorite in the NFC South for the 2022-2023 season. But it is significant news. Sean Payton's tortured us for 17 years, or however long he's been the coach of the Saints. I, that is the retirement I have been wanting for so long. No more Drew Brees. No more Sean Payton. Thank God. Hopefully the Saints franchise burns to the ground and we never have to worry about them again. Yeah, with their cap situation, and yeah. now he's gone. Yeah. Which is, I mean, is he retired? He's not retiring. He's probably going to go coach the Cowboys, right? I think he's going to take a year off, he said. He says, he says he has no intention of coaching in 2022. He's not officially retiring. Hopefully he just, you know, yeah, goes to the Cowboys, goes somewhere else. He just saw the writing on the wall. Can't do it without Drew Brees. Right. Yeah, Cap t- situation's awful. Yeah, Taysom We Hill. got your GM, your assistant GM now. Yeah, we got Fontenot. Yeah, it's, it's the end of an era. 
Um, I don't respect Sean Payton at all. I think he's a dirty son of a bitch, and I'm, I'm glad to see him gone. And uh, he's always been an asshole on the sidelines, asshole with the Bounty Gate program. Um, so good runs. You gonna watch the movie about Sean Payton? On oh, with Kevin James with on Kevin Netflix. James, yeah. It looks like a piece of shit. I didn't realize it was an Adam Sandler movie. Yes, yeah, Adam Sandler. Anything Kevin James is, is I'll probably watch it. I, I I thought it was supposed to be like a serious documentary when I first saw it. I was like, why no. the hell would they cast Kevin James in it? <laughs> but but then I saw it was Adam Sandler. I was like, okay, it could be silly fun. I think I, what I've heard is it sort of takes the components of of you know Disney 90s movies and sort of remixes this into a Sean Payton redemption story and it glosses over entirely that he was you know a part of the Bounty Gate thing and oversaw it so uh it's it's it looks really it's soft it looks really stupid really soft maybe I'll watch the Kurt Warner movie before that one people have said that's decent it looks kind of silly to me but you know uh yeah I think that'd be a better movie to watch overall than this Kevin James bullshit anyway yeah, Sean Payton, Adam. He's tortured us since we were teenagers. So tell me how you feel about about him uh, at least leaving New Orleans. I'm stoked. I mean, yeah, like I, I kind of like seeing a guy like that lose, though. And I, I don't think I think they're going to be a mediocre team for a while until they mm-hmm. um, get another high quality quarterback in there. And I mean, but with their cap situation, there's like they're worse than us. There's not much they can do. They're screwed for a while. Yeah, I mean, Sean Payton's such an offensive genius. As much as I hate him. The guy knows how to run an offense. Yeah, for sure. So it is interesting. Like you could honestly look at the Falcons with. Obviously, we got to see how the offseason shakes out for all of these. There's a couple quarterbacks. Like maybe Jameis Winston goes back to the Bucks. I could see them being competitive. He's a free agent this right, year. I could right. see them being competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trubisky is out there. I think he could be a good quarterback. With the right team, so that could be a Bucks or a Saints situation. You're on as well. Trubisky. You I'm a Trubisky, Trubisky guy. Last episode, I'm a Trubisky guy. Marcus Mariota's out there. That's uh-huh. another guy who hasn't gotten a big enough chance. Um, so you never know how it's going to shake out. But the Panthers suck. Yeah, no, they're terrible. The Saints are seven and Niners again. Seven and Teners now, probably. Yeah, and um, the Bucks without Tom Brady, I don't like. They're not going to be able to like. They put all their chips in this year to run it back. Right. Which with all these fair. veterans they yeah. brought back. Right. They ended up with no talent at the skill positions at the end of the year after all the injuries well, the and injuries. the Antonio Brown right. thing. It's not really their fault. And all that. But still, yeah. it happened. It didn't work out. Right. And now they lost their rent-a-quarterback. Yeah. And, and what are they going to do? I don't know, Graham. Yeah. No, I mean, the question has to become, you know, what does Bruce Arians do? Is Bruce Arians going to stick around? Um, Granted, he didn't go to Tampa Bay expecting Tom Brady to be his quarterback. No. Um, so I imagine he'll be back. He's a good coach. And Tampa Bay still has. I mean, to me, if you put a gun to my head, I would still say Tampa Bay is arguably still the favorite just because you will get Chris Godwin back. You will bring back a decent portion of that def- that defensive line that's absolutely crushing so and their offensive line is 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 solid and we'll have um at least a few of those pieces back but they are going to lose some they are going to lose some of their some of their good players their good their good talent in the trenches and um and other other parts of the team so you have to just think about what does that mean for them it's, it's hard to know what's going to happen but it is it is a big day if you're a falcons fan and we i don't know like i still don't expect the falcons to be super competitive they might figure it out and win the NFC South next year. There's a, a potential for it. But um, the the mountain, the, the, the climb to get there becomes a little easier, even with all our bullshit that we still have going on, all the decisions we have to make. It gets a lot easier without Brady and without Sean Payton. And Fontenot was talking about it today. Is like, it's real motivation. Just look at the Bengals. Two and fourteen two years ago, right? And now they're in the Super Bowl. So one thing you can turn it around quick. Yes, you can with good drafts, with good drafts and good cap management. So the thing that people seem to be forgetting, the Bengals tore it down. They got rid of Andy Dalton, shed his deal. Got rid of AJ Green, got rid of some other high priced defensive talent. Built in the draft for a couple years, then they got Burrow and, and Chase and all those guys, and then they got good. But it really took a lot. It, it really started with them tearing it down. And, until, and in my opinion, until the Falcons decide to really tear it down and get rid of the remnants of the Super Bowl 51 team, 
we will not truly compete. And we have that's the first step we have to take. And I hope we do it. But I agree, it can't be done, but you have to consider the context. Our context is different than what the Bengals' context was, I think. I'm proud of you, Graham. You just specifically said that was your opinion and not, there's no way in hell we're no. ever going to do anything until you do this. I tell you what, I've learned. You, uh, you've had enough bad my, takes of the day. Yeah, well, yeah, you learn. You, you know, I podcast for five years, you're going to say some dumb shit. Well, yeah, you're going to say some dumb shit, but you're also, when you're doing a show like this, it is an opinion-based program. So, Program. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, opinions can be wrong. I don't, and, think, I don't think we saw the Braves win of the World Series this year. No. And like I said, you know, I was of the mind that, you know, Snicker couldn't be a big uh, playoff manager based off what I'd seen from him in the playoffs before. I also thought Will Smith was going to shit the bed. I was completely wrong about that, um, especially the Will Smith thing. I'm, I'm like, I don't know how it happened. Well, he's still not a good closer. He locked into like 14 straight scoreless well, no, innings in I the mean, playoffs. He figured it out. He made it work. He did suck for a while, but he figured it out. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm trying to, as as we're into the new year, Adam, that, that's a resolution, but I'm going to try to say my opinion is I think this as opposed to definitively definitively like declaring I am the ultimate source of truth because who the fuck am I to do that? You know, it's stupid. Yeah. Well, I wish that the other pundits of the world, beside the great pundits of our day, right? Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Stephen A. Smith, right. Graham Waldrop. <laughs> They're I'm the not, first one to declare it. It's just an opinion. Yeah. Yep. 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 Proud of you, Graham. That, you know, that's huge. Big step. Yeah. You got to continue to evolve as a human. Yeah. So th- things are, we're, we're, we're in February now, Graham. Um, like I said, pitchers and catchers should be reporting in a couple weeks, but they're probably not. That's no. okay. It's supposed to be next week, right? Maybe things will, 15th, I think, usually. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Whenever this thing breaks, it is going to be the most exciting 24. It's not my opinion. This is fact, Graham. Oh, okay. It's going to be <laughs> the most exciting 24 to 48 hours of free agent action. It's going to be a flurry. You're ever going to see. It's going to be a flurry. If you don't think Anthopolis is up in his war room at Truist Park right now, looking like Char- Charlie Day, <laughs> Charlie Day and then, uh, with strings sunny. going everywhere, yeah. you're sorely mistaken, Graham. Mm-hmm. It's going to be exciting. It should be. Yeah. I look forward to it. That's the next big news I can get excited about. I'm, I'm going to keep following these Hawks. Hawks are getting me a little excited yeah, again. Yeah. Um, watch a fun little Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, we're Team Bengals, right? Yeah. 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Shout out to David Carson. Yeah. Lifelong, diehard Bengals fan, season ticket holder. His dad paid like four hundred dollars to get a standing room only ticket by himself. At that AFC Championship game Jesus. this past week, his yeah. dad did. Yeah, four hundred dollars for standing room. Yeah, what a what a fucking fan. They roll deep. Yeah, in Bengals fandom. I mean, that's the, the thing about it too. They haven't gone to a Super Bowl since nineteen eighty eight. They had not won a playoff game in David's entire life. I, yeah, I think he's like twenty eight. Yeah, ninety one was like the last that. time they won a playoff game before they yeah. beat the Raiders. So he 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 knows what it's like to be a fan of a shitty franchise. So I, I fear for him. Because we were in a Super Bowl a few years ago, Graham, and it did not work out for us. No. Maybe this team's different. I don't know. Before we wrap this up, Adam, you just mentioned we were in a Super Bowl a few years ago. Obviously, it made me think of Kyle Shanahan. Sure. Blows another 10-point lead in a big playoff game. It's the third time. He's blown double-digit lead twice in the Super Bowl. Obviously, he wasn't the head coach for the Falcons, but he's pretty much running that offense uh, You know, unilaterally. So and then he does it again. He does it again. What is it about Shanahan and peop- in these fourth quarters? People are blaming Garoppolo for the last two, but he had an MVP quarterback with the Falcons that yeah, year, literally. And I mean, Garoppolo was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't good, but it felt like they got away from Debo Samuel. It feels like he just like tries to. I don't know. He like stops doing what was working. You know, it was like in the Super Bowl with uh, the Forty ers He you know, Tevin Coleman, our old friend, against the Chiefs, he got like a, it was like first down, he rushes for seven yards, and he throws it three times, and they have to punt, or or two times, and they have to punt. It's like, just keep running the ball. Like, he just makes the wrong decision, seemingly, in all these situations. Yes, Garoppolo wasn't good, but they got away from using Debo Samuel in the run. 
um, or Elijah Mitchell. And it was just like, I, I was just sitting there. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's just befuddling me. Shanahan can't win the big game. And because of what happened with the Falcons, I hope he never does. That's fair. He's a Graham Waldrop arch nemesis. 100%. At this point. 100%. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's puckering up. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's like a disc golf. If you get off to a big lead, you're up like three strokes mm-hmm. with like seven to go. You start playing conservatively. Yeah. Stop trying to make putts and start laying up. Right. It doesn't work out. No. And then somebody Someone's catches catch up fire. Because you start playing aggressive because you're down. And then you're scared. Right. And the thing was, is like I kind of wanted San Francisco to win. I actually like their team. I like Debo Samuel a lot. I like Elijah Mitchell a lot. Those guys play hard. You know, Debo Samuel took like a huge hit, came back. He's a kick returner, receiver, running back. He does it all. He, I, I respect the hell out of that guy. He's, he's tough as nails. And it just, I, I feel for him. He was like crying on the sidelines when they lost. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry you weren't used in the last two drives for some reason. What the hell? That's the way it goes, bro. Yeah. What are you going to do? All right. Well, that wraps us up this week, folks. We had a great time tonight, I would say. Yeah. Not to speak for you. This is good, This is a lot of fun. We hope you had a good time listening. We will see you all bright and early next week at some point. Uh, We hope you're doing well out there. Until next time, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Ask Thomas. Ask Thomas. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1 800 889 9789. In Connecticut, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Zip it up, Crab. In Connecticut, call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 8778 Hoppany. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's too funny. <laughs> it's so I would just spell it out. Hope New York. Got it. <laughs> that name? Let me, should I just start this whole thing I again? Just do the whole thing again. Yeah, it's that's going to be a nightmare always. for me. I think you should put this shit at the end, though. This is too funny. All right. <laughs>